Good morning, Father. Thank you that we are citizens of the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that today we gather with our children around us. Thank you, Lord, that the Holy Spirit is available to all of us, regardless of age. Thank you that the greatest power in the world lies in every life in this room, the power in the life of Jesus. I ask, Lord God, that you would teach us to seek your kingdom, to live by its commands and by its laws and rules. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Good to see you guys today. The kids are so super cute. <laughs> I love it. Hey, boys and girls, if you're, uh, if you're in kids' church, just give me a big woo! Let's try that again on the count of three, all right? All right, I need like a woo out of you. Okay, ready? One, two, three. All right, good deal. Hey, all, all of you Kids Church workers, can I get you to stand up right quick just so you can see all these people who are here today helping out? That's right. It's good. Thank you guys for all you do. Hey, boys and girls, I need your help with the message today, okay? I, I can't do this by myself. So what I need you to do is when I say, boys and girls, I need you to say, Jesus! Can you do that? A capital G and a sus. It's a chord on a guitar. Anyway, okay? So, no, Jesus. Can you, boys and girls, can you say Jesus real loud? Jesus! Okay, every time I say boys and girls, Emma, you help Jesus! me out. Just like every time I say boys and girls. Jesus! Now listen, I'm not going to say boys and girls a lot. Jesus! But every now and then I'm going to say boys and girls. All right, so. All right going to have a little fun today. Thank you guys. Thanks for everyone who helped get us set up this morning. Thank you, Kids Church, for being here today. Uh, thank you for bringing. And so I just, I love having our kids around us when we worship. I think the, this, the value of that as a parent is just incredible. I think it gives us an opportunity to show our children that worshiping God is serious to us and it helps us teach them. If you want to teach your children, do stuff with them. So this is a great opportunity to worship with your kids, okay? So today we're talking about good hearts and good fruit. So every now and then you hear me say things like, what's in the well comes up in the bucket. That's an old Tennessee expression. Um, sometimes we talk about how that when life squeezes you, what comes out is what you really are. And so today we're talking about those stresses in life and not, not really the stresses, we're really talking about what comes out of us when the squeezing comes, when life puts on the pressure, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but I know me somewhat, somewhat. I don't, I don't really like hanging out with me much, so I try to ignore myself as much as possible. But uh, I know when life squeezes me, sometimes what comes out isn't that great. Sometimes it's anger, sometimes it's judgment, sometimes... It's depression, anxiety, stress. Um, what I want to come out when I'm squeezed is Jesus. That's what I want. I want to when when I'm when life squeezes me, I want the love of God to show up. I want patience to show up. I want grace to show up. Now that stuff's never going to happen if you never get squeezed by life. You know that, right? I mean, people say like they uh, they. Uh, they say, like, well, I need patience. And I always tell people, never pray for patience. That course is coming whether you sign up for it or not. It's just coming. And the thing is, though, 
does, does God just give you patience or does he give you opportunities to practice patience? Does he just give you grace and mercy or does he give you opportunities to practice grace and mercy? So today we're talking about our own hearts and what needs to be in them and how to get the good stuff there. And we're probably going to be talking a lot about boys and girls. Jesus! That's going to happen every so often. And apparently my wife is going to cover me. So I'm good to go. <laughs> Jesus said in, John, in Luke 6, 43, A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its true fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes, and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. Make sense? Pretty simple. Jesus, you know, he just told it like it was. So let me start with this. So next weekend, I'm speaking at a conference in Buffalo. I'm doing this, this workshop Saturday afternoon called Releasing Heaven in Your Marriage. And I wanted to teach you guys something about this. How, do, you, do you know how to become an expert? Do what you do out of town. <laughs> Just do you somewhere else. And there, you're an expert. In town, you know, and everybody knows you and so forth. And uh, it's kind of funny. There's actually blogs and books about how to become an expert for people who don't know anything. And I know you're thinking that's a joke, but it's not. I promise. Look it up. Just Google search how to become an expert. You'll find entire blogs and courses on how to be an expert and know nothing. And uh, I know you're like, no, Michael, it's not true. Oh, it's so true. Uh, in fact, I'll give you a short course right now. All you have to, the first thing you have to do is leave town. That's if you leave town, you're an expert wherever you go because people don't know you. And that's always a good thing, right? Uh, you know, write a, write a short book. Don't worry what's in the book. No one's actually going to read it. A book is a new bu uh, business card, okay? So you don't have to worry about that, you know? Get a blog. Oh, oh, and this is most important. Please get mad and rant and rave about something, anything. Just be loud and obnoxious about it. And, and then you will get followers and, and people love. Why do people love drama? I just don't get it. They, they gather around dramatic people. I don't, I don't get it. So all these ways, these are things you can do. You can become an expert like me, leave town and teach people things you know that they won't listen to you in your town. <laughs> so the thing is, and the reason I brought that up tongue-in-cheek, is that a lot of times we give people the ability to speak in our lives who don't really know anything. And we gather around dramatic people because they're loud and we think they know something just because they say it loudly. And so what I, I want us to do is, is realize that that's not how it works. That's not how Jesus intended for things to be. I want to argue and say that the truth is enough. And that loving people and reaching out to people and caring about people is enough and far more legitimate than the drama that's going on in our world. Jesus said this through John in 1 John 4. He said, if anyone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And I think it's a powerful verse. I think it helps us understand that, you know, a lot of this anger, a lot of this frustration we're having around us you know, we're kind of hypocritical. We're like, man, I love God. I don't like you, but I love God. And here's John saying, no, you don't. 
God put that person in front of you so you could love God, and you chose rather to be angry with them. So I, I just want you to know that we don't need experts. We need the Holy Spirit. We don't need drama. We need the truth. And so as we get started today, we're going to be talking a lot about what we're putting into our lives. And so this is important. It's really important in an age where any idiot, and I know that was rude, but I, it's the only way I know to say it. You say, Michael, you don't love them. I'm working on it. <laughs> any idiot can get a platform, make some noise, and people will follow them. They get a following, make, take your money. But the truth is they want something from you. They want something from you. And that's not love. Okay? So let's jump in to how we get to a place where the good stuff is coming out of us. And it begins by what we put into us. And so I ask the question, what is shining upon your soul? What shines upon your soul? Jesus said this in Matthew 6. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. And, and <clears throat> I'm sorry, I, I thought those were in the same text and now I'm jumping to another text. Romans 5.5, 5, Paul writes, And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us, for He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. So let's ask ourselves a question today. What do I feed my soul? What do I feed my soul? What an interest, I think it's an interesting question. If you want to change your life, you have to change your fuel. You have to fuel it differently. You know, it's like your diet. I mean, if you load up on junk food, you're going to feel terrible. And it's the same way in your spirit. If you load up your soul, if you shine darkness and shadows on your soul, and those darkness and shadows could be criticism, it could be judgment, it could be uh, the junk that's of the world, it could be brutality that you watch willingly, let you subject to your life, a whole lot of things. Things are very obvious in the world we live in today. So I, I want to share a story, but please don't take judgment from it. It's just an observation I made. So I like, I like movies. I don't know if you like movies, but I like movies. I like the weirder the better. I do kind of like weird movies. So uh, I love zombie movies, but don't judge me. It's just because I go to Walmart and it inspires me. And... Uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's the truth. I, that wasn't even a joke. It's a reality. But, uh, so I watched this movie uh, a few weeks ago, uh, the new Doctor Strange movie, uh, the multiverse of madness kind of thing. And um, sometimes you watch something and you feel like you need to wash your brain afterwards. Yeah. And this movie was that. I mean, I, uh, so, okay, I know I'm going to sound really old-fashioned, but I don't care. I hate witchcraft. And you're like, Michael, what, what, do you, what do you mean? So here, you gotta, let me give you a little backstory, okay, so you understand why I hate it. And why I hate even the, the, the entertainment of it. I have, I have worked with and prayed with people that are actually dealing with demonic forces. And almost always those forces have entered through something Something seemingly innocent or just like it didn't matter, like a Ouija board or a seance or 
something based in witchcraft that appeared somewhat innocent at the time. Usually it happens in those teenage to early 20s. And then this person ends up dealing with something the rest of their life, even though Jesus sets us free, what happens is we have moments of weakness where we, we fall, we stumble, and there's this enemy that's been invited in that's keeping an eye on them and jumps in every chance he gets. So you need to know that the reason I hate witchcraft is because, you're like, Michael, this is such a weird topic. I, get over it. It's because I, I don't like people having to deal with garbage that just chases them around. you got enough problems. So... When I watched that film, it was just loaded with witchcraft. And so I, if you enjoyed it, that's fine. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you, I had to wash my brain afterwards. I had to do some worship. I had to talk to some people. I had to get it out. So I fed, I shined garbage on my soul that day. Okay? It happens. We make mistakes. We do things. And sometimes we walk away and we have to shake it off. We have to turn to Jesus. We have to get things straightened up. And so what I want you to do is realize that things shine on your soul. They, they aren't just things we consume. The enemy teaches us that we can just consume our way through life and it not have an effect on us. But that's not true. You are what you eat and you are what you think about. You are what you think about. So be careful what you think about. Because what happens is life is going to squeeze you. And when life squeezes you, we need, hey, boys and girls... To come out. We need Jesus to come out. Emma, I'm going to give you a raise. Whatever you're making now, double it. <laughs> the Bible says in Proverbs, out of the Passion Translation, it says, Lovers of God hunger after truth, but those without understanding feast on foolishness and don't even realize it. The message translates that text as this way, or paraphrases that text as this way. An intelligent person is always eager to take in more truth. Fools feed on fast food fads and fancies. Sometimes I just love the message, man. <clears throat> you decide. You decide. You decide. Who decides? You decide what you feed your soul. You decide what light shines on your soul. You should ask yourself from time to time, what's coming out of my life? Is it a lot of anger? Is it a lot of frustration? Is it a lot of judgment? Is it a lot of criticism? Instead of blaming the people you're criticizing and judging, maybe you should back up and say, hmm, I wonder what I'm consuming. I wonder what's shining on my soul. Because everything has a light, and sometimes that light, according to Jesus, is darkness. And it shines on our soul. Peter says this, friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. What I need you to understand, and I'm trying to lay this gently, but also firmly, there's a war going on for your soul. There's a war going on for the light that's shining upon your soul, for what's coming out of your soul. The deepest, truest, most significant part of you Someone's fighting to destroy. And the things you do, the things you think about, the things you consume, those are the things that shine either light or darkness upon your soul and determine what's coming out of your life. Does that make sense? So this is important because if we're going to have good hearts and our lives are going to be filled with good stuff, we have to take the advice, the counsel, the commands actually, because they're not even suggestions of Scripture. 
James writes, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. This also is a great lesson. You can see here that when you mess up, when you let darkness shine up on your soul, there is a way out. And it's to run from it. It's to change what you think about. It's to, ch- it's to put in light that shines and casts out the darkness. Does that make sense? You say, Michael, it's a little weird today. If you're kind of new to this, you know, like new to church something, it can be a little weird. It's okay. Just bear with me. It gets weirder. All right, so the love of God is actually the only thing that's going to satisfy you. Oh, that's inspiring. <laughs> That's outstanding. I, we didn't even coordinate that, and look at there, man. God's like, beep, up in heaven. He's like, make that one play. I like it. I like it a lot. <sighs> the love of God is the only thing that satisfies. Hey, boys and girls. Jesus. Also, is the love of God expressed. And so it's the thing that our... Our hearts need. It's the greatest light up on our soul. The love of God is where worship begins. The love of God is where obedience begins. And and so the thought of God, the thought of His love, the sacrifices of God, all those things begin to shine light. God's love is where prayer begins. And that, my friends, is where we begin to turn our lives around. We begin to fuel ourselves differently when we fuel ourselves with God's love. Now, there's a lot we can say about God's love and a lot I'm going to say about God's love. But to use Paul's prayer in Ephesians, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Paul prays in Ephesians 3. He says, may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep God's love is. Excuse me. May you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Let's begin with God's love for us. Let's spend lots of time thinking about and considering and filling our mind with God's radical love for us. Think about the story of God. I know that sometimes people are a little intimidated by the Old Testament, but I'm telling you, if you take some time and you, you get into those, those true historical narratives, you'll find that God's love is everywhere and it's beyond your wildest imagination. You'll find that God keeps getting rejected by his people and he just keeps coming after them, just like he does me and just like he does you. The love of God is, is something that if we can think about it, and, and not just think about it, but, but consider how undeserving we are of it. I mean, we're just not worthy of, of God's love. I mean, sometimes I think people think that, like, well, God should save me. I'm a pretty decent guy. But if you really get into the theology of who we are, we're really not that decent people. We're not that nice. In fact, we didn't just make a mistake and blow it with God. We, like, intentionally rebelled against God. And so God's love, as we shine that on our souls, it's ama- it can really begin to change our lives and realize that Jesus died for us. It's according to Romans 5, 6, while we were still sinners, rebels, tyrants, that's when Jesus died for us and we had nothing to offer him. So what light shines on your soul? And then 
What is the fruit of a good tree? Matthew 7, 20. Yes. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit. Any fruitcakes in the room? Sorry, I just... Random question that hit me at a weird time. So you can identify people by their actions. So last week we talked about agape love and eros love, and I want to develop that just a little bit more than we did last week. You see, God loves us unconditionally. You do not have to change a thing for God to love you. He loved you when you are awful, you can stay awful and he will still love you. That's a fact. You can't outrun God's love. You can't make him stop loving you. He loves you because he chooses to. That is the way that God loves. It's unconditional. And so that's God's love. God's love goes one way. It never, he, he doesn't need it to hook back to him. Now, but that's not how we love. There's another word for love in the Greek called eros love. It's not even in the New Testament. The reason it's not in the New Testament because the word originally, as it was developed, the word meant the love of a, like in a marriage inside of a covenant relationship, that physical part of the relationship. But by the time the New Testament was written, eros love became corrupted in the idea of self-love. Eros love is love of the hook. Eros love is the kind of love that says, listen, I love you as long as I get something out of it. I want something from you. We all know a lot about Eros love because that's the main way we get loved. It's the way the world loves us. Everybody wants something from us. That's why we look at people who are too nice and we're like, you're up to something. All right? And so part of being a Christian is learning to love like God loves. Because agape love leads to God. It goes to God. It's a it's an arrow that's straight. There's no hook in that love. Don't just pretend to love others, Paul writes in Romans 12. Don't pretend to love each others. Don't put a hook in your love. Don't love them in a way that you receive. Don't love yourself by pretending to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is love. You see, the verse is talking about the fruit in our life, the fruit of our tree. And that fruit is not bait. And that's where Eros love comes in. I love you. I look good. I dress light, right. I'm impressive. I care about you. But come over here and look at me. Here I am. I want something from you. I need some. Have I ever, let me talk to you about this network marketing program. <laughs> Just kidding. There's a hook in it that draws it back toward me. And I can't love you with bait. My love, my fruits, my righteousness is not a reason to draw you to me. This is what's, problem, this is what's problematic with the experts and the influencers in the world. You see, the only right thing for you, for me to do with my life, is to get you pointed toward Jesus, man. He's the answer. Hey, boys and girls. Is the answer. <laughs> and so my, my purpose in life is to get people pointed toward Jesus. My, I don't need to get my needs met. Here's how you get your needs met. I have needs. That's how you do it. 
Seriously. I mean, we're, we're always trying to manipulate our needs getting met. We're always trying to get people to, to hook back around to us. But all we really have to do is tell the truth. That's why Paul wrote, don't lie to each other. Because we do it all the time. We're like, oh, well, I do have needs, but I'm too spiritual to have needs. And so I have to manipulate you to get my needs met. <laughs> Stop it. We know you have needs. It's okay. God made us so that we needed him and each other. He made us to have needs. You you get that, right? There's nothing wrong with it. What's wrong is when we love people trying to get something from them. That's when things go wrong. That's not love. That's selfish. We love, and this is, and and I know, I know what I'm talking about is impossible by a human effort. I, I get that, okay? But I'm not talking to a bunch of humans. I'm talking to a bunch of sons and daughters of the the king. People who've been redeemed, reborn. Does that make sense? And so that means that uh, we have a father in God. Not just a God of our religion, but we have a father in God. And for our father, impossible is nothing. Impossible is not a problem for our father. And so we're learning that, man, we need things to shine on our soul, but we also must take this this love with a hook in it, and we have to get rid of it. We have to love because God loves and lives within us. We love because God's love is so bright, we can't help but shine that love. And so Corinthians writes, in Colossians, I'm sorry, Paul writes, put to death, this is one of my favorite passages, Not that I like the ramifications of it, but it's still one of my favorites. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. So when we talk about love, we need to make a choice here. Religion makes a choice about love, and that choice is to fake it. Pretend like you love people. You really want something from them. You want them to come to church, give money, help in the kids' program. You really want something from them. But don't, don't tell them that. Just act like. Fake it till you... That is the biggest load of crock. <laughs> crock of load. Crock, whatever I meant there. I didn't mean it the way I just said it. I'm sure I meant it some other way that was way more spiritual for church. But still... <sighs> The serious love within us, this love of the hook has to be put down in our lives. It has to go away. We have to learn to love and we have to push it forward and it has to go straight to our Father. And we have to realize that the idea of love with a hook in it infects everything we do. We have to be honest about it. It's, I, I know you can't walk out of this place going today, all right, today I'm breaking the hook off of that, and I'm, always, I'm just going to love people straightforward. It, it's not going to happen that way. You're going to need God to love people unconditionally. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need His power to do this. You're going to have to realize that a lot of your thinking is infected with this kind of love. That a lot of our religion is. I... Uh, I was had a dinner with some friends last night, and we got to talking about one of my, uh, I don't know if it's one of my favorite subjects, but it's a subject I find myself ranting about a lot. <laughs> and that is how consumeristic church has become. What do I mean? People, go to, people choose churches like they choose stores. They choose churches by what they stock on the shelves. This church has this, this church has that, this church has this, so that's, uh, they, they, have, they meet my needs. 
And that is not how this works. Sorry, that's not how it works in the kingdom. I'm not sorry if I kind of, that stung a little bit. I'm just, it's not how it works. Here's how it works. And the Lord added to the church. That's Acts chapter 2. The Lord puts you somewhere. That's how he does it. And when he puts you somewhere, the job isn't to consume spiritual products. Steve and I don't do spiritual products. That's why we're ordinary faith. We intentionally try not to do spiritual products. We're trying to bring you into an encounter with your father. We figure if you meet dad, you're going to be good to go. And so we have to realize that in our own lives, that we, we have this, because we're Americans, because we're Westerners, we've been raised from, I mean, we've grown up in a culture that just teaches, it's on every billboard, it's on every TV show, consume, consume, find something to consume, whatever you consume, that's who you are. Modern advertising, Steve talked a little bit about ads earlier. Modern advertising doesn't sell products, it sells identities. This is who you're, I'm an Apple person, an Android person, I'm a Harley guy, a Honda guy. Well, no one ever says they're a Harley, Honda guy, but still. <laughs> Excuse me. The, the world is thinking we can consume our way to an identity. That's not real. If you don't know who you are, a Harley's not going to help. And it's the same way in the kingdom. It's the same way with your church. Jesus has to establish your identity. So to get this hook out, we have to realize there's some things that don't work. For example, in, in church, in churches, there's a lot of teaching out there that teaches eros love, teaches us to love God with a hook in it. Give. And God will bless you. If you need a thousand dollars, give God the hundred you have, and you'll get that nine hundred. Does it sound like baloney to you? Does God bless giving? Yes. Does He give giving? Does He bless giving with a hook in it? I don't think so. Why? Because God doesn't want you to love. He wants you to love Him like He loves you unconditionally. That's why people are walking away from their faith today. Because God won't meet their expectations. Exceeds them, but won't meet them. And so we need to realize that giving so that God will bless us, that's not love. That's love with a hook in it. Serving so that God will reward us and bless us. That's not love. That's love with a hook in it. Praying. I've been chewing on this all weekend because it gave me indigestion. Sometimes God gives me indigestion. Sometimes pizza gives me indigestion. Sometimes it's God. And I was like, God, but when we pray, we need stuff from you. And God, this is, this is how I've begun to process it this weekend. When we pray, or this last week, When we pray, it's true, we have needs. And prayer is a way to be honest about those needs. But here's what gets us off track. This is what puts the hook in it. Is that sometimes what we think we really need is the thing we're asking for. And what we really need is our Father. You see, and this is what prayer is for. Prayer that actually is going to change your life and change your circumstances is prayer that that brings the presence of the Father into my life. Yes, I have stuff that I need. But you know what I really need? I need Dad. I need Papa. That's what I need. 
I need his presence. And here's what happens. The closer God's presence comes into my life, the more I have God's presence, as I pray and seek that presence, here's what happens. Answers become unavoidable in the presence of God. You see, he is the answer. He's the answer you're looking for. He's what fills you. He's the light that shines on your soul. I know you think you need a job, a car, a fixed new relationship, help with your kids. And those are all needs that we have. And there are many, many more. But what you really need is the answer that underlies all of that, that provides all of that. And so that's where prayer comes in. And when we pray and it's one way, God, I need you. I need you. And... And when God answers that prayer, when God shows up, things change. Answers become unavoidable. Answers you never dreamed of become avoidable. When your love toward God is one way, you love him because he's your father, not because he can do cool stuff for you. How would you feel as a parent? In fact, you probably feel this way as a parent. That you, you, you're, you're in your kids' lives and all of a sudden they just show up, Dad, I need 10 bucks for the movie. 20 bucks, whatever it is now, 150 because I want popcorn. <laughs> dad, uh, can I borrow the car tonight? Dad, 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 can I, can I, dad, dad. Isn't that sound like our prayer life? God, I'm going to need you to bless me today. Oh, it's going to be a rough day if you don't bless me today. And if you don't get your blessing today, I'm probably going to be just as miserable as I am every other day. I need my father's presence. And, and the hook has got to be broken off and got to be done with. We are not Christian consumers of a religious product. We are not that. We don't need religious products. We just need our father. We just need, hey, boys and girls. Jesus! We just need Jesus. I don't, know, I don't know all the problems you're facing, but I know the root answer is Jesus. I thank God. This is out of the God's Word translation. I thank God who always leads us in victory because of Christ. Wherever we go, God uses us to make clear what it means to know Christ. It's like a fragrance that fills the air. Wow. What's the fragrance that's coming from our lives? I mean, I know some days I probably don't smell that sweet. What was that cologne you were talking about? Menure. <laughs> some days I got some menure going on. And I don't want that. I don't want my wife to have to deal with that. I don't want my kids to have to do My wife just now over here is amening me. It's quietly. Please no. I dealt with that yesterday, not today. See, I think when Paul wrote that text, he had a specific story in mind. I think he was thinking of the story that the other disciples had shared with him. See, Paul didn't get to be with Jesus during his three and a half year ministry. But Paul knew the other disciples, and I'm pretty sure they told him the story about Mary. And how that Jesus was having dinner, and all of a sudden this lady sneaks in. 
and she has this bottle of perfume that costs a year's wage in an alabaster bottle, which is a very expensive, beautiful, and delicate thing. And she shatters it and anoints Jesus with it. No one knew what was happening because they're men and completely oblivious. <laughs> Until the fragrance began to fill the room. And then people reacted. Then people reacted. People react to fragrances. And Judas reacted, what a waste. What a waste. But in Judas's mind, anything you did for Jesus was a waste. Because he was already set to cut him loose and break off from the band. But Jesus had a reaction too. Jesus' reaction was one of gratitude. I don't know if he actually looked at Mary or if he looked at the disciples and all the complainers in the room. Jesus was not particularly gentle with complainers. You should make a note of that. And he said, she's blessed me. She's done this before me. And she's the only person who got to anoint Jesus Christ's body before his burial. He... He saw in Mary someone who got it. Who got what love was. A person who went in that room to love God, to love Jesus with an arrow. She didn't care. She didn't need a hook. She didn't need the other guys at the table to look at her and, oh, that's wonderful, Mary. Such a sacrifice you've made because none of them did that. And she didn't care. There was no hook in that love. That moment had a fragrance to it that resonates throughout the rest of Scripture. And that's what Paul has to have in his mind when he talks about our lives. As we walk through our days and we dispel a fragrance of Jesus... And people don't know what's going on. They pick up on it. And sometimes they react to it and they dislike you right away because you look like your master. And they nailed him to a cross. You remember that, right? If you think that being like Jesus is going to make your life easy, yeah, it worked out great for him. But here's the thing. The world needs Jesus. It doesn't matter what they think they need. They still need Jesus. So what's coming out of your life? Is it boys and girls? Jesus! I love this young lady right here. She's helping me out today. Get that? <clears throat> so as we go to a season of prayer, and, and I'll be available, and if I, I think I'll have a couple folks to help me. We'll be praying over there. But I want you to ask yourself a question. What's, what's shining on your soul? Is there anything that is shining, that's, giving, that's casting a shadow? Is there anything that is hindering... The fragrance of Jesus are coming out of your life. Listen, I know that this is a daily battle. I know you're going to get up tomorrow and have to fight this again. But here's the thing. You can fight it. The Holy Spirit can strengthen you. God can strengthen you so that your life can be love without a hook in it. Have you ever, I mean, I don't know if you've, I've been thinking on this idea of love without a hook for several weeks, maybe into months now. And I'm just, begin, I'm just kind of overwhelmed. I'm thinking, what to love someone without an expectation? I think that would be awesome. 
I think it would set me free, so that's kind of selfish, but I also think it could set them free. I think it would smell good in a way that maybe people don't understand, but they desperately need. So, good hearts, good stuff. It starts with what shines on your soul. It starts with learning to love one way. And my friends, that's how we begin to change our world. We fuel our lives differently. Let's pray. Worship team. Father, thanks. This is good. I know it's challenging. I'm not saying I like it. It's just good. It's really good. And I ask you, Lord God, that you would help us today. I pray for every heart in this room that we could do a little inventory and, and just ask ourselves, okay, what am I, what's, what's casting light on my soul? Is there something casting a shadow on my soul? What's coming out of my life? Is it, is it good? Is it Jesus? Or is it something else? And Lord, if it's that, then what am I shining on my soul? I pray, Lord, that you would help us. And if there is something in the way, I pray we would leave it with you. I pray that we get the prayer we need, someone to pray over us to help us let go. And I pray, Lord God, that you would make us a church that loves without hooks. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. There's a song we used to sing in kids' church that says, Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For there's a Father up above looking down on us in love. Sing that with me. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a Father up above looking down on us in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. There's a Father up above looking down on us in love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. There's a Father up above looking down on us in love. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Oh, be careful, little feet, who you follow. Oh, be careful, little feet, who you follow. Oh, be careful, little feet, what you follow. There's a Father up above looking down on us in love. Oh, be careful, little feet.